This Week on Art of the Air features the photographic work of Fox 32 meteorologist Mike Kaplan, whose body of work on the other side of the lens is an eclectic mix of nature, portraits, and commercial work. Next, we have rising country music singer-songwriter Carolyn Marie discussing her musical journey. Our spotlight is on the 63rd annual Chesterton Art Fair, running August 5th and 6th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself to art, and show the world your heart. Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, WVLP 103.1 FM, and WDSO 88.3 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Also heard on Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on WDSO 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Media. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. We'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight from the Chesterton Art Center, and we're going to be discussing the Chesterton Art Fair. Of course, this is coming up on August 5th and 6th, and we have the Executive Director and President and CEO of the Chesterton Art Center, Hannah Hammond-Hagman. Welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. Hi, guys. Always lovely to be with you. Thank you. Well, obviously, as a way of disclosure, I'm involved with it as vice chair and probably doing the entertainment. But you're going to tell us all about what to expect this year, artists that we have, and uh, music and entertainment and food. So tell us all about the art fair. Absolutely. It's going to be another gorgeous weekend for the arts um, in Chesterton here at Dogwood Park um, on the corner of 1100 North and 23rd Streets. You'll find the Chesterton Art Fair August 5th and 6th. Um, Saturday, 10 to 5, and Sunday, 10 to 4. We have over 80 artists with us this summer, which is fantastic. Some great folks returning. You know, some have been with us for years and years. And then some new people as well. Hannah, will you post them someplace ahead of time? Yes. We will have a, a list of all participating artists on our website. That should be up now, actually. Um, and then we're rolling out individual artist profiles on our social media channels. So people Good. can get a little bit more up close um, with the types of work that these artists create. So we've got folks coming from close by, right? Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. But we also have folks coming from Florida and Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Missouri, and California. Um, artists in photography, painting, other 2D and mixed media, um, sculpture, ceramics. There'll be something for everybody, as always. 
it's a juried fair as always. And so we have really high quality, fantastic work with us again this summer. The juror this year was local artist, um, Laurel Izard. Yeah, um, she's a fiber artist and mixed media artist um, from Michigan City of Laporte County. Um, Great. So yeah, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. And of course, the you know the weekend will also entail um, fabulous kids activities, um, kids art projects and family art projects, as well as live entertainment, a whole lineup of musicians on both days, including um, Patty Schaffner, Marco Villarreal, Billy Foster Trio. Um, who else? We have Jeff Abbott, Lexi Bratsakis, Leanne Stutler. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. And there's going to be delicious food from local food vendors, Ben Soft Pretzels, a taco truck from Tacos My Friend. Um, <laughs> who else? Cheesy food What's... truck. <laughs> It'll be great. What is the entry fee? So entry fee is $5. Um, kids 12 and under are always free. And tickets can be purchased here at the center, and they can be purchased on our website at chestertonart.org, or folks can buy tickets the day of, cash at the entry gate. No worries. And there's really no problem parking, because we have quite a bit of parking right there in Dogwood Park all the way we around sure it. We sure do. We sure do. Parking is free, as always. Um, so yeah, there's going to be something for everybody for the weekend. We're going to have beautiful weather. I'm putting it out there now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we're excited. It's the 64th year for the Chesterton Art Fair. So it's a beautiful regional tradition. Um, it is also, you know, a fundraising venture for the Chesterton Art Center as a nonprofit visual arts center here in Chesterton. Um, it helps support our operations and our outreach programs and education programs for youth and families from across the county. Excellent. Well, I'll, we'll get back to the art fair, but what else do we have going on at the center itself? You have a current exhibit that's opened uh, actually July 8th, and uh, but we have some events surrounding that. Tell us about that. Absolutely. It's a busy summer, always, right? So um, our galleries right now have a solo exhibition by local emerging artist Emily Casella, who you guys interviewed previously. Um, it's a fabulous mixed media exhibit of drawing and sculpture and ceramics. Um, she will be giving an artist talk on July 27th here in the gallery from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Um, she's also going to be, the exhibit will be up through both third Fridays in July and August. So there's some after hours opportunities to spend time with the exhibit. Um, but it's a tremendous show. I recommend that everybody come swing by and take a look. What is the teen group doing this summer? The teen arts group, Esther, I'm so glad you asked. Teen arts group will be at the fair. They'll have their own booth selling their artwork. But they also um, just unveiled um, a temporary public art piece here in Chesterton, out at Chesterton Park. Um, they've been working for some months with our program director, Jillian Bridgman, to create a woven mural at the ball field um, here in Chesterton Park, which is a great partnership with um, the town and with the Parks Department. And the kids did a beautiful job. And so that'll be up definitely through the summer months. I recommend people swing by Chesterton Park here in Chesterton, and you can see that piece. They did something on the weekend with the, like the, what was it, the Upsy Daisy group? Are they still going to do that again? You know, unfortunately, Upsy Daisy isn't happening this summer. Ah. But so I know, I know we miss it as well. Um, it's taking a pause for this for this season. So um, but yeah, this was um, kind of they got very excited about doing that public art piece. And we were looking for another outlet for them to design and create a piece. And so this was a really fabulous partnership that made that happen. You mentioned Third Friday. Tell us uh, how that went uh, in our last about minute and few that we have left. And then we'll get back the third in. Fridays. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Third Fridays are a new initiative here in Chesterton. So all throughout downtown, um, creative organizations and businesses are open late on Third Fridays, at least till seven o'clock. Some others, you know, some are staying later than that. But it's a chance for folks to kind of wander through Chesterton and learn a little bit more about the artists and creatives that call it home. Excellent. Well, let's recap one more time. The Chesterton Art Fair. Tell us all about that real quickly in our last moments here. August 5th and 6th, 10 to 4 on 10 to 5 on Saturday and 10 to 4 on Sunday. So come on down to Dogwood Park. And hours of the Chesterton Art Center uh, being open. Oh, we are open Monday through Friday, 11 to 4, and Saturdays 10 to 2, except for additional hours for other programs and events. Excellent. Well, that was Hannah Hammond-Hagman from the Chesterton Art Center, the Executive Director CEO. Thank you so much for sharing everything coming up from Art in the Air Spotlight. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thank you, always. Hannah. Thanks, Esther. And a Spotlight Extra, Memorial Opera House's production of the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee continues to run weekends, Thursday through Sunday, until August 6th. Ticket information is available online at memorialoperahouse.com. Art on the Air Spotlight and the complete one-hour program on Lakeshore Public Media is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art in the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. Hi there. This is public radio theme composer B.J. Lederman, and you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and on WVLP 103.1 FM. And WDSO 88.3 FM. We are pleased to welcome Mike Kaplan to Art on the Air. Mike is an accomplished and published professional photographer, a meteorologist for Fox 32's Good Day Chicago, as well as an adjunct instructor at the College of Lake County, where he teaches photography. He and his wife also own a photographic and web design business. Thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. I love your Hi. glasses. My gosh. <laughs> the better to see you with, right? <laughs> Those are spectacular. I really, I, I like that. I need some rose-colored glasses that are like that on those days when the forecast isn't so good. Right. And, of course, people always blame the weather oh. man and woman for bringing the weather, and it has nothing to do with <laughs> right. that. Right. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on the uh, show. And uh, all of our guests, we always like to find out about their uh, personal story. I always like to say, how you got from where you were to where you are now? So tell us all about Mike Kaplan. Well, I was born in Waukegan. When I was uh, young, we moved to Gurney, which is interestingly enough, the town that my wife and I live in now with our three dogs. Um, when I uh, was in high school, I kind of had a propensity for doing things that were theatrical. I was also strong in science. So I like to think that as I've matured, I've been able to kind of homogenize those two disciplines into what I do today. Uh, but I will tell you that when I initially went off to college, uh, my parents encouraged me, they didn't force me, but they encouraged me to uh, to go to Northwestern. I got in, which was nice, but I didn't care for it there. I had a dangerous triple major of wine, women, and song, and that did not <laughs> afford me enough time to really devote to classes. All kidding aside, you know, I worked at the college radio station. I was in marching band. I made the top jazz band. I was a trombone player uh, as a freshman. I, theater? I really did you get loved. into theater there? 
I did not do anything in theater there. Uh, I, I was too busy doing the other things. But um, I just, I left that school with my tail between my legs. I really needed to regroup. So uh, my dad dragged me out of there one April afternoon. And he said, you got to get your you-know-what together. And I did. And that ensuing summer, I started working at a radio station in Zion, Illinois. And then I also went to the College of Lake County, a junior college, where I kind of got my uh, academic act back together. And uh, after completing an associate's degree there, I went to Illinois State University, where my original goal was, hey, I'm going to do radio. I'll do radio. Since I had been working at this radio station in Zion, Illinois, uh, maybe I'll do something in radio. And while I was there, and I worked at the campus radio station and did all that, um, a, a guy who was a faculty instructor who had been a reporter with WLS Radio back in the old days, to give you an idea how old that was, he was friends with Herb Morrison, which many of your listeners yeah. may know is the Oh, the Humanity announcer of the Hindenburg crash. Right. Uh, he worked for WLS Radio. Well, a guy who I knew, uh, he said, you know, Mike, you, why don't you try some TV? He was the faculty instructor for TV at uh, Illinois State University. So the first thing I tried was weather. And because I knew a little bit of, I knew what a cold front was, I knew what low pressure was, uh, I started doing weather for the campus TV station. And when I graduated from Illinois State, I got an internship at the WCIA in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. And eventually they hired me while I was an intern and they knew that I had done weather in college. And a couple months after they hired me, they said, Mike, we got a weekend weather opening. You want to do it? And I said, sure. And that's kind of what propelled me down the uh, weather path. After Champaign-Urbana, I worked in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina for about six and a half years. And I happened to work at a station that was owned by... Uh, the ABC network owned TV station group, which also owned Channel 7 in Chicago. And one day I got called up to the general manager's office in Raleigh, Durham, and I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. What did I say now? <laughs> and he said, Mike, I got good news and bad news. The good news is for you. The bad news is for us. The good news is they want you in Chicago. Uh, so that's kind of how I ended up coming back to Chicago. That would have been in uh, like New Year's 94. I worked at that station for 21 years. And then I've been at uh, Fox 32 doing uh, morning weather since uh, December of 2015. That's me in a nutshell. Wow, great. You know, at, while we're on weather, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your take on uh, the climate change, which, of course, we have lots of cr climate deniers. But I think if you look out your window anymore, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, uh, there was a documentary made by an English guy, uh, James Burke, called After the Warming. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was made in the 90s. Yes. And watching it now, it's like I, I, I found it on YouTube. It's like, oh, my gosh, what he predicted is happening right now. So but tell us your take on that. Well, uh, there is no question but that uh, the, the planet is warming and it is perhaps most noticeable in colder portions of the planet uh, where perhaps it's a little bit easier to, to watch. What I caution people on, however, is if we get, for example, we had 14, in, 14 tornadoes in Chicagoland last week. Um, to say that that was because of climate change is very difficult to um, you know to make that kind of of, of an argument. Uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc doesn't necessarily apply in this situation. Right. But if you look at the overall 
patterns around uh, the world, not just the country, not just in our own backyard. There's no arguing but that uh, the warming of the planet is taking place. We can measure that, we can quantify that, and it is definitely having impacts. One of the other kind of scary uh, compounding influences will be this year's El Nino, which is a warming of the Pacific Ocean waters off the coast of North and South America. In weather circles, uh, the saying is, uh, you know, how the Pacific goes is how the world follows. When the Pacific warms up, it is usually followed by uh, warming of land all across the world. And that may indeed be the case as we head into this upcoming winter. Uh, you may have heard a couple of weeks ago, uh, the three hottest days ever recorded on the planet. And granted, we haven't had accurate measurements going back you know, all uh, time, but uh, we're recorded on consecutive days. So that speaks something to, to, the, uh, to the net effect of uh, what's going on with our atmosphere. I want to touch on um, some more of your childhood for a moment. Okay, you're, you know it's been a long time, Esther. <laughs> well, you know, let's. So, well, actually, this this you'll probably be able to answer. So, okay. did you spend a lot of time outside? Because in your photography, you show such a sensitivity to the environment. Um, your flower photography is Thank just you. so beautiful, just like gorgeous. That, that's an interesting question. Um, I would not say that I spent an inordinate amount of time outside, but I definitely was interested in nature. I can recall at a very young age, actually, the first thing that I wanted to do was to become an astronomer. Um, and I had a, a small telescope. I used to go out. <laughs> Me you know, too. Like, yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, <laughs> and I, I used to, you know, go out cold nights and freeze, but I wanted to see Orion and look, you know. So um, I also had a series of, I think they were called the Golden Guides. They were small little paperback books. And here's one about insects. Here's one about birds, rocks, and minerals. I think Herbert Zim was the name of the author of these things. Uh, and this is, you know, going back to the 60s. And I had like the whole collection. I used to read those. So I definitely had an interest in nature. And then I think that my interest in nature was really advanced uh, by my aunt and uncle. Uh, my mother was a native North Carolinian. My father grew up in Chicago, uh, but I still had aunts and uncles in North Carolina. And I would visit them a couple times a year. And my uncle Bill and aunt Tootie, aunt Tootie, they would take <laughs> me out and my Uncle Bill knew every, they were both biologists, and he knew every single insect. He could tell what bird that was just from the call. And they taught me, I think, even a greater appreciation of nature than whatever I had uh, beforehand. And, uh, and that may have been what maybe opened my eyes a little bit uh, more clearly to nature. The other thing I'd say about the flowers is that when I was younger, particularly high school, if we had a botany class, I couldn't stay. I hated, I hated plants. It was something about animals. I loved it. But if it was botany, I had absolutely no interest. And then something, I think when I became a homeowner, I started to get interested in landscaping. Oh, what is that plant? What is it? And I'm kind of, I'm kind of obsessive compulsive about learning things. 
And so I dove into uh, as much botanical knowledge as I could. I had some friends at the Chicago Botanic Garden who worked there and they would, you know, teach me things. Uh, so I, I, I've learned just enough to be quasi dangerous when it comes to identifying plants and things in the yard. Uh, and uh, and my use of Latin is, if nothing else, adequate. <laughs> <laughs> well, your framing of those shots, it's just like they, they just are... They're just exquisite, really. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I love, you know, one of the nice things about botanical subjects is they're typically not moving. Right. Uh, compared to, you know, you know See, what but, I'm talking about, but Larry. Yours, but yours are. Yours are moving. And you feel <laughs> oh, like you're right there and they're alive, which well, is what I love I'm about them. I know what you'd be there, but I'm I'm speaking of the actual subject. Unless it's a super oh, yeah. day, isn't uh, isn't moving compared with if you're trying to capture a bird in flight, uh, you know that that's a much more difficult uh, subject to capture. But uh, I do love doing the botanical photography, and a lot of it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've got the fancy equipment, Larry. I know you're a Canon guy, just like me. Uh, you know, we, we we've got lots of money invested in in glass and and all. And some of my best work is done with with this, with with the iPhone, yeah. um, and the capabilities that these devices have now. It's really remarkable. I mean, I'm still I can't get the same sort of resolution. I can't make as big a print as I can if I'm using that. But no, they maintain pretty good integrity even as you go larger. And if you push it, there's such a beauty even in when things sort of get pixelated as well when you go bigger sure. with those. Sure. But I understand what you mean. I know I shoot a few things with. I have a the newest Samsung, and and the camera is really good. But then when you sit sit down with it, process Photoshop, and you're going, all right, here it's a little dicey, and you try to manipulate it back to world. But yeah, I agree. Uh, they do a nice job. I usually blow up my work to at least by twenty by thirty on, and I print them on canvas. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a whole different uh, thing. So tell us how you made the. You're obviously do, been doing weather for a while, but how was photography in the background in, in your younger days, or did you just decide yeah. to pick that up? It was. In fact, when I was in high school, I had a buddy who's later become a, uh, a film director and screenplay writer, and he worked at a um, shopping mall in the camera store. And uh, I worked at what is now Six Flags Great America right. in Gurney. And at the time, it was Marriott's Great America. And I, I was the amazing Alfredo. I guess your age within two years, your weight within three pounds, or your month of birth within two. Now, hey, I don't want you to say, hey, you're still a guesser. I don't want to hear that. Um, but what I did is I bought a camera. With my very first paycheck, I went out and bought a Minolta XG7 film camera. Uh, and I would go into the park because employees could go into the park on their days off for free. And I would walk around, I'd take pictures of my coworkers as they were working, and I'd go print these things off. And my buddy gave me a little deal on the film processing. So, uh, you know, since I've been about you know 16 or 17 years old, I've enjoyed photography. I think things really took off for me when my son was born. Uh, that would have been in 1998. And uh, I got my first digital camera then. And as I mentioned, I kind of you know, when I get something, I want to get good at it as quickly as possible. So uh, a lot of the things were self-taught, but then I took some courses, went to some uh, workshops and things, and, uh, and and that's what propelled my photography. So you consider your start date, like I think 2009 is when you really considered your, made it get that move to, you know, professional photography. 
Right. When my when my wife and I got married, my second marriage, uh, when she and I got married, uh, shortly after that, uh, we started a photography business. And uh, she kind of caught the photography bug as well. And what's nice is, and I think your wife also is a photographer, Larry. I've seen yes. some of her work. Um, if we're, <laughs> we could be in a beautiful mountain vista maybe we're out by jackson hole and here are the tetons and i'm taking some pictures i'm trying to get the barn in the foreground and the mountain and the clouds and laura sees somebody's thrown out an old tennis shoe in the parking lot she's taking a picture of that and then she's going to edit the bejiminy out of that create something way more clever than whatever my you know ansel adams attempt was <laughs> uh, pointing 180 degrees the other way so it's kind of nice she she finds subjects that she finds interesting uh and we it, we're not always shooting the same thing it's very complimentary i i think that's a great way of putting it yeah i i we suffer the same thing my wife and i when we go out and i remember when we went out west and uh, i was shooting like you or vistas and everything and she shoots this thing where there's a tree in the foreground it's like i went wow why did i miss that so yeah and she's also a what i call a non-technical photographer so, so once in a while she runs into a thing where she says well i want to get this and i said well you know that you need to adjust the depth of the field. i don't want to do that i know that but she has has a great photographic eye just sometimes it's like okay this is how you do it. i don't know that and i said well okay that's the next step honey but <laughs> Well, and, you know, th this is a real, I think, it, uh, teaching photography, teaching the mechanics of what we do is one thing. But to be able to teach somebody how to have that eye, that is much more difficult. Um, you know, some people, I think it comes more quickly to or it's something that might be innate. Um but there are other people who, you know, you can tell them how to adjust the aperture, how to, you know, increase the ISO when things are dark and what, you know, this button does and how to rotate that. If they can't get a composition right in right. their head, uh, it's going to be very difficult for them, I think, to, uh, to excel artistically. What I used to advice I give to people that are trying to you know, learn composition, I says, imagine it as a print. I said, when you're looking through the viewfinders, it's kind of an excitement about doing that. But I said, think of that as what's going to be a print or something that's going to be on your wall. I said, that will help you compose a little bit, I think. So, yeah, I, I fully understand that. So. Sure. so, in your photographic business that you have with your wife, mm -hmm. um, are you mostly doing the kind of photography that you just mentioned where you're shooting what you like? Or do you take on corporate events and other things? And do you work together uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, oh, cool. there is there, there there is a photographer. I believe that he is a part of the Canon Explorers of Light group named Rick Salmon. I think he's written about nine million books. Right. Um, and and he famously says when people ask him, you know, what, what type of photography do you specialize in? And he says, my specialty is in not specializing. Um, and I kind of embrace that. I love shooting everything, um, whether it is an inanimate object, whether it is a bird in flight, whether it is an animal in the distance. But I, I think for me, my favorite type of photography is working with people. Um, I love photographing uh, families. I love doing seniors. I like doing headshots. Uh, weddings, I think, is perhaps the most challenging discipline <laughs> for any photographer, because uh, not only do you have to be on your A game technically, because invariably things are going to go wrong and you have to there, there's that. Hey, can we reshoot that next Tuesday? Um, 
But then you also have to deal with people on the most stressful day of their life. And I like to think that I have the, you know, the technical capability to handle what's going on with the camera and my lighting, uh, but that I also have the people skills to make people comfortable when they're working with me. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the more rewarding aspects of what I do. We shoot commercially. Uh, coming up the end of July, we're photographing a wedding. And then the day after, I'm doing uh, photography for a jewelry store with a couple of models. And uh, that stuff's going into a magazine in Door County. So That'll that'll be that. That's like an ideal weekend for me, and and that's a lot of variety. Yeah, the variety. Great point. I embrace the generalist photography thing myself. Or I go through phases. Like I'm going through a phase because I live on a lake, shooting a lot of the herons and natural thing on the lake. But yeah, I agree with you. I like like to consider myself a generalist. And of course, my photography grew out of. I had a father who did it, but mostly my theater career, because as first a lighting designer and then later as a uh, producer director to capture that. And so, and of course, I was late to the uh, EOS digital game. I, in fact, I, I skipped because I had such an investment. You'll understand this in glass. I stayed with film for a long time until the can introduced the 5D, the first affordable the first 5d yeah yeah affordable full frame i was waiting to get to a full frame thing but then yeah but then i had to invest in a whole new set of lenses and everything so so have you gone mirrorless yeah yet? the talent no. is knowing uh yeah knowing the skill when you when you see the moment the skill right. to see the moment is i know. think mike i'm going to skip the mirrorless i just i've, I've such an invent i i have nothing against it and but i just think you know i've got I would say four, well, actually six camera bodies, but four that I really use, you know, Mark II, two Mark IIs, a 5D SR, which is a 50 megapixel I use for wildlife. And then I just picked up a Mark IV. I just don't know if I want to reinvest in all, you know, because you can get the adapter. But that's my, right. But that's my, right. my experience is even adding like an ex, the, the 1.4 or the two extender, eh, the quality kind of falls off and everything. So. And so, no, I think I will, I'll skip mirrorless. You know, I'm, I'm 68. I think, you know, I'll probably have a good 20 years of photography left. I'll just stick with the equipment. All right. I have. It's, I got some friends who are pro photographers and they say that, you know, uh, it, it, the focusing capability with the mirrorless, this eye recognition, uh, they get, you know, a lot of, of real good keepers, whether they're photographing people or birds and all. And, and that's really, I think, the only reason. And maybe, you know, some of these 30 to 60 frame per second burst rates. Right. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you ha are looking forward or want to photograph either personally or things like that? I know like when I took my wife out west, she just went nuts until she filled her card up. And uh, <laughs> and I, I have a CF card and my thing. is, I, I, Luckily, I had a backup and gave her an SD card. Is there anything you, you're looking forward to photographing? Oh, boy. You know, we've been to Iceland. Please. I think that's uh, one of the Super Bowls for photographers. Um, I would love to uh, maybe go to... You know, I'd love to go to Patagonia. I think that, uh, you know, the Torres uh, del Paine, I think, is the, the national park down there. Um, Galapagos would be wonderful. Uh, been to Alaska a few times. I'd love to go back there. But um, I can't think of, like, I'm not one of these people, I got to go get um, a polar bear photo right. or something like that. Uh, I don't have anything really on my bucket list. It's like, I got to go get that right now. Excellent. So you do most of your photography, sounds like, on the weekends uh, because, well, your day job kind of keeps you busy there. So, uh, but, but I the do a lot during the week, Larry. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but obviously the weekend I have a little more free time. That's true. Right. So, well, you have a you have the gallery that, you, well, it was yours in Door County. We yeah. talked about that off air, but uh, let's uh, talk about that. And, uh, you know, about a minute and a half left here. We want to talk about uh, 
where people can find you online, uh, if they want to engage you, things like that. Absolutely. Our gallery in Door County, where we sell our art, is called Artisipation, oh. just like Anticipation, but it's Artisipation, and it is uh, in downtown Sturgeon Bay. Uh, and uh, I think you can pretty much find that online with a nice Google search. Uh, KaplanStudios.com, and it is Kaplan with a C. That would be our website. Uh, we're also very active on Facebook with uh, Kaplan Studios Photography. Uh, and of course, you can always follow my meteorologist page as well if you're looking for some weather information. But uh, those are the main places to go to find me and uh, always receptive to people who are interested in uh, booking photo sessions for yourself, your family. Uh, or who are interested in art prints. And you still teach classes? Yeah, we'll, uh, one of the places we taught, they just canceled the adult education program. Uh, that was in the Libertyville slash Vernon Hills School District. But uh, I also offer private lessons. So if somebody wants to uh, book me for that, look at, uh, look at my Facebook page and message me there. It's probably the easiest way to do that. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on Art on the Air. Mike Kaplan, uh, most of you might know from Fox 32, meteorologist, but also a fine photographer. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your art journey on Art on the Air. My pleasure. It's Thanks for having pleasure. me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Art on the Air listeners, do you have a suggestion for a possible guest on our show, whether it's an artist, musician, author, gallery, theater, concert, or some other artistic endeavor that you are aware of, or a topic of interest to our listeners? Email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. This is Karen Maravilla with It's Just Serendipity, and you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. We would like to welcome Carolyn Marie to Art on the Air. Carolyn is a country music artist and songwriter. Her song, Just Drive, reached the top 100 on iTunes country music charts and was featured during halftime at Super Bowl 57. She also live streams songwriting sessions and that collaboration with her Facebook viewers resulted in her Christmas song, Bells. Thank you for joining us on Art on the Air. Aloha and welcome. Hi. Hi, how are you? We're doing just great. Carolyn, we'd like to know a little bit about you, your origin story. I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us all about yourself. So um, I actually started out as more of like a dancer and uh, I went to college for dance and I had more of like a musical theater background. I did some theater shows and um, I was doing all these shows and, you know, I was being told, being directed and told what to do and what to sing. And at some point I was like, well, I kind of just want to sing what I feel versus like all the songs that are given to me. And that's when I started really getting into writing. I always had um, like a knack for poetry um, in school growing up, but I never thought of combining my two loves, like my writing poetry and singing and performing. Um, so that's when I decided I'm, you know, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to start writing and become an artist and release my own music. And I just kind of jumped into it. I'm curious about theater. What theater have you done? Um, I've been in um, Kiss Me Kate and As? Uh, Cafe. Um, I was like an ensemble singer okay. and dancer in both of them. And then um, in Smokey Joe's Cafe, it was a little different. It was more like a um, repertoire, uh, repertoire kind of show. Yeah, yeah um, like a cabaret kind of. And uh, so that... Uh, 
that like I did poison ivy, um, teach me how to shimmy. So it was like different uh, elements in that. So that was really fun. Um, and those were with New Jersey Performing Arts Center. Okay. So, what about elementary school and high school? Did you sing in the choir? Did you, as a little child, were you performing at home? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I started dancing when I was three years old. So I was always on stage. Um, and I went and through that time, I went to um, I went to a local dance studio for a while. And then I went to New Jersey School of Ballet, which um, then I started doing New Jersey Dance Theater Ensemble. And I was performing um, in New York on summer stage. Um, and then at that point, I started kind of taking voice lessons in between uh, with some really great instructors. Um, Stephen Snow was my first voice instructor and then Alex Garrido. And I thought I was going for musical theater. So I, then I... I auditioned for um, Tisch Cap 21 musical theater program when I was about 16. And I did a summer at NYU for that. And um, so that's when I was really kind of taking all my performing arts loves and putting them together. And then when I was in college, that's when I, I think the songwriting really just, I was like, I can write my own songs. This right. could be cool for me. Did you sing in cafes? How did you perform your music in college? Um, in uh, in college um, and after college, I would um, I started like going to open mics. That was like the very uh, beginning of it all, um, and I would just sing my songs and um, and see you know get people's feedback from them. And then I got a band together and I started performing, and those led um, that led to you know, bigger stages. And, um, and I got to perform with Boy George and the Culture Club and the Thompson Twins at the Stone Pony. Um, and then the Ladybug Music Festival and really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of just a, like a process over time. It started very, like, very small, just myself, just putting myself out there and seeing if anyone was interested at all and liked what I was doing. Um, and that grew and developed over time. I stuck with <laughs> what influences in uh, music, like uh, artists that you admire and singer-songwriters you might admire? Tell us about some of those uh, things. Um, so I am a really huge Taylor Swift fan, um, and I got to see her Eras tour as well, so my life is made. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I also really love Joan Jett. Um, she was... I actually had an interesting, I kind of started more in like the pop rock area and it had a transition into country uh, fair, more fairly recently. Um, I was also really, um, I really liked Katy Perry at the time. I still like her now. Um, and those were like my biggest influences um, were my and I, I really, I don't know if you know this band or not, but um, Hailstorm, they're like a hard rock band from, um, I believe, Pennsylvania. One thing that you do, and how I kind of connected with you, is on Facebook, because we're Facebook friends, but also you're now a new voting member for the uh, Grammys, so congratulations. But Thank you. <laughs> you have a thing that you do quite often, a live stream, where you say, let's write a song together, and you actually, in your bedroom, which uh, our audience can't see right now, but uh, there you are, and you actually put a song together. Tell us about that process, and we may take a quick listen to one of the songs you did that way. 
And actually, yeah. what inspired it? What, what you know? How did that first one come about? That that's a very interesting question, actually, because I, for the longest time, I, I wrote music to tracks. Like a producer would send me a track, and I would write the me the song to it, and I would get a little frustrated because I'd have these other ideas in my mind that I, if the track didn't fit my idea, I couldn't. It, that was it. Like I kind of just had to throw it away or have a voice note. And then it just went into the, the abyss of voice notes and ideas on my phone for songs. Um, so when um, the pandemic happened, I was very bored at home. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick up the guitar and learn. Um, so I started learning the guitar and I want to say about two weeks into learn learning the guitar, I decided to, start this live stream and I told everyone from the beginning I was like I'm learning with you guys on here uh, you're gonna hear some horrible guitar playing and I've been doing that now for about two years and um, everyone really enjoyed writing with me I enjoyed writing with my fans it was just this really magical experience and um, it gave me like an outlet because I couldn't at the time right before the pandemic um, started I was, I had a band all together. We were performing. I had dancers. I had this whole big live show. And then all of a sudden that happened and it was just like, kind of felt like it Nothing. was right from me. Um, so I needed a, a new outlet. And um, that's when I picked up the guitar and started that stream. Excellent. You know, maybe this would be a good time to take a listen to one. Tell us a little bit about Bells. That's one of them that you created this way. And we'll just take a listen to it when you're ready. Yeah. Um, so Bells was a Christmas song. It was around uh, Christmas time that we were, I was like, let's write a Christmas song. And everyone was like, let's do it. Um, and we wrote it on the stream together. And um, from there, it was a, you know, very stripped acoustic version of the song. And I had reached out to um, John Kennedy. He's a producer in Nashville. And he took that and uh, got a bunch of musicians from Nashville in the studio and uh, created the music for it. And then I cut vocals um, at home. I actually, I during the pandemic time, I also got my own whisper room. So I was able to cut vocals at home um, and sent them over to him. And then I was able to release it for the following Christmas, which was really cool. It was really full circle, a full circle moment. Well, let's take a listen to Bells from Carolyn Rooney, our guest today on Art on the Air. It's the first of December. And the snow is falling with bright red cheeks I remember How the wind was calling and my eyes lit up like Christmas lights Sledding down that street Where we would meet when we were just kids Nostalgia hits hard Cause we looked like a Christmas card with our middens intertwined That was a winter wonderland in the park Long gone, 
That was Bells that she wrote uh, in her bedroom originally with uh, other people on Facebook. So that was excellent. Facebook fans. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're still doing that, right? Yeah. Um, I do that every Tuesday at 8 p.m. EST, almost every Tuesday. Occasionally there's a, a hiccup here and there, but almost every Tuesday at 8 p.m. EST. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, on WVLP, 103.1 FM, and WDSO, 88.3 FM. Tell us about some of that. You know, you've done some live concert work. Tell us a little bit about some of that uh, that you're working on. Um, I did um, a lot of, like, covers and originals, and I would kind of mesh the two together. And, um, you know, with those, I was able to perform at, some really cool festivals. Um, I think I'd mentioned before the Ladybug Music Festival. Um, and then my favorite performance of all time was with Boy George and the Culture Club. That was just like a whole, it was a sold out show. The lines were like wrapped around the entire building like three times. And it was, I don't know if you've ever been to the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, but they had this outdoor and indoor and they opened the, the, the garages so it was like this indoor outdoor feel it was so cool um and then um shortly after that show i got to perform at the steel stacks in bethlehem pennsylvania um because i was awarded um uh lehigh the lehigh valley music awards discovered artist award and that was in 2019 um and that show was really cool a really cool moment too, because, um, I had been teaching, um, dance for a while and, um, I got to actually hire some of my students to, I'm sorry. Um, I actually got to hire some of my students to, um, to perform with me in that show. 
at the steel stack. So it was really like another magical full circle moment where I got to see like my students who I taught dance perform professionally. Excellent. So are you back to performing live? Have you got the band and the dancers back together? Um, we're, we're working on it. It's, it's in the process Good. currently. Um, I have an agent that we're, I'm working with, so that's going to be launching soon. And it's a little bit of a new direction because of the country shift. So, but I'm really excited about it. Now, you said you had kind of a shift in your genres of music to country, and you're kind of unique that you're, what, on the East Coast doing country, where everything yeah. kind of tends to be in Nashville and the South and everything. So tell us, how is how does country play in the East Coast? So um, as, far, as far as, like, how the shift happened, I think I just, um, at the time when I was younger, I just felt like I was more into pop music. Um, I felt like a city girl. I felt like New York City was like where I wanted to be. Um, and over the years that shifted, I'm actually, I grew up in a small town in Hutterton County, New Jersey, um, which when people think of New Jersey, they think of, you know, I feel like they think of like Nork, but um, really um, there's a lot of, I, I think more of Bon Jovi, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or Bon Jovi. Yeah. Right, which was like, would be like, maybe like down the shore kind of vibes, but um where I'm from is a lot of farmland. Um, and I just kind of looked around one day and I started like to see a shift in what the music I was listening to. And I was like, I live in the country. I know it's not like your typical country, but, um, I'm like in West Penn, like almost West Jersey on the cusp of Pennsylvania on a bunch of farmland. So it's <laughs> like, I should lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about your next song that you released, or I guess it's your newest song, Just Drive. Give us a little background on that before we take a listen to it. Yeah. Um, so originally I had, my friend called me up. She was working with a NASCAR driver, a French NASCAR driver. Um, and uh, she was like, hey, would would you write a song for him? Like for his, um, you know, for his campaign. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Um and uh, I so that's how that kind of started, and um, that that's really how that happened. And I wrote that song, and I love it. It's fun. It's um, it has a lot of energy behind it. And uh, when um, when she called me up for that, I was just excited because she was we we had kind of lost touch for a little bit and. That was like a way for us to reconnect again, too. So I was excited to get to work with her again. Well, let's take a listen to that. That's Just Drive, Carolyn Marie, and that should become the official anthem of uh, 2023 NASCAR. So NASCAR people, if you're listening, this would be a great song for you to have. We're driving in your car, got my game face on.
And that was Just Drive, and that was real energetic uh, from our guest today, Carolyn Marie. What I loved about it was your reaction when it played at halftime at Super Bowl. You know, your excitement about, oh my gosh, Beyonce, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. right there listening to my song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just like an incredible, I mean, that song um, just really like surprised me in so many ways. Like when I, when I, heard that it was playing at the Super Bowl, I, I had no words. Like I, I couldn't imagine, like I'm an independent artist. So I, I never thought anything like that was like feasible for me, you know? Um, so I, it was so just what kind of feedback have you gotten from that? Has anything happened because of that play? Um, soon, um, soon after it had charted on the, um, country music iTunes charts, um, in the top 100, which was another like moment was like, whoa, like what's, what's happening? Yeah. Abundance. Yeah. Like, um, and so I, I just get a lot of positive feedback about it and people really like it and they, you know, a lot of energy, it has a lot of energy and I, I, and it reminds me of my, my dad too, because he really likes drag racing and everything like that. So it kind of, was full circle. Well, Carolyn, we have to wrap it up here, but give a chance to tell us how people could find you online and also listen to your music. Sure. Um, you can find me on um, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much all the social media sites. Um, my handle is at Carolyn Marie X3. Um, my website is carolynmariemusic.com. And um, I'm on iTunes, Spotify as Carolyn Marie. And 
I had so much fun today. That's great. <laughs> so we, we. we appreciate you coming on, sharing your music. That's Carolyn Marie, kind of a country pop rock artist and everything out in the East Coast, and uh, just a brand new voting member for the Grammy Awards. Carolyn Marie, thank you for coming on Art on the Air. Thank you yeah, for having me. Thank you me. so much. Thank you. We'd like to thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Art on the Air is also heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP, 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m on WDSO 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Media. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operation for Lakeshore Public Media, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster, with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Lakeshore Public Media, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And for WVLP, Walt Reitinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art in the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. You'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart Express yourself through art And show